Effective Living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. Lord, you we are trusting God to conclude our teaching on wealth creation. We are now on our fourth study area, which says that um, how can I become a wealthy Christian? You can become a wealthy Christian by doing certain specific practices like I started teaching last month. There are three important keys to creating wealth. The first one, who can remember? Financial intelligence. Financial intelligence. That is the first key to creating wealth. The second one is be an investor. Investments. And that's where we are. The third one is divine favor. How to walk in the favor of God and to increase your level of favor. These three things make you wealthy. The whole subject of wealth can be summarized into three important statements. You have to be financially intelligent, you have to know how to in, what it means to invest, and you have to know how to work in the favor of God all the time. Amen. I've taught on financial intelligence. Now I'm talking about investments. Everybody say investments. Somebody say, I'm an investor, and I am wealthy. In Jesus' name. All right. So you will see that investment is at different levels. The first one is human capital development, which means that you as an individual, you can invest into yourself until you become an asset to yourself. That is the first place to invest in. Why? Because you can lose all other investments. You can lose your properties. I've seen people lose lands with all the genuine documents. Somebody possessed with demons and wickedness will subvert all the justice system and take away from you something you built with your lifetime sweat. It will not happen to you in Jesus' name. But I'm saying that people have lost investments, people have lost a lot of things, but one thing you can't lose is your own human capital. And what do you do? Your job is taken away from you. Is Everything you have is taken away from you. How can you still maintain your life and maintain your level of financial independence? And that is why human capital is very important. Amen. The second level of investment is social capital. Social capital. Everybody says social capital. Okay. The third level is business. And we'll talk about business next week from the Bible. Amen. Fourth level is real estate, which means a day is coming, you need to buy a lot of lands and build a lot of houses. Recently, I was going somewhere in Pastor Foss and I saw a very big building. I said, is it a hotel? Then he said, no, it's a somebody's rental flat. I think he said about 200 um, flats in one building. 200. I said, this one, when you retire, all you needed to do is visit the house every January and collect rent advance. Hallelujah. And be smiling through the year. That is real estate. Amen. So you, you are not going to build only one house. You start with one and you build more. One day I was talking with uh, Stadilis and she said, they bought their land, Clagon here, 1992, and how much? 30 CDs. That means 300,000 old CDs that time. That was a lot of money then. But now it's just 30 CDs. Now, how much is a plot of land in Clagon now? So that is real estate. So when you put in money into buying property, you are investing the money. And without doing anything to that land, after years, the value goes up. That is real estate. Amen. But today I'm talking about social capital. Everybody say social capital. 
All right. What is social capital? Social capital simply means strategic relationship and network that create constant streams of income into your life. Relationship, network, your circle of association that makes you a wealthy person. So our associations, our relationships, and our networks are assets in disguise. We'll start reading from Genesis 41 verse 9. Can we look at it? It said, then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I remember my fall this day. When Pharaoh was angry with his servant and put me in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker, we each had a dream in one night. He and I, each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now there was a young Hebrew man with us there, a servant of the captain of the guard, and we told him and he interpreted our dream for us. To each man, he interpreted according to his own dream. And it came to pass, just as he interpreted for us, so it happened. He restored me to my office, and he hanged him. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon. And he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. If you read the rest of the story up to around verse 39. Can we go to 39? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph now, Inasmuch as God has showed you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. Now, wait a minute. This guy was so wise and discerning, a national asset, and yet he was in prison. Sometimes you can be the best and nobody will notice you for life, except for relationship, except for relationship. The king of the land said, I've not met anybody as wise as you. So it's not enough to be good. Somebody must make your goodness to be heard or be seen. And that is how powerful um, relationships are. Look at verse 40. You shall be over my house. That is somebody who was a few minutes ago was a prisoner. The king of the land, like the head of state is now saying, you are the, now the manager over my house. How many of you think that guy is not, is not going to be poor again? National assignment. And all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. In other words, Pharaoh said you are going to be the executive. I will just be the ceremonial head of state. He said, only on the throne I will be greater than you. But when it comes to executing governance, you are the one in charge. That's a powerful thing that can happen to anybody. Overnight, less than overnight, just in few hours, this man was now a wealthy person. But it took a strategic relationship to make that happen. Verse 41, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. You are now the one in charge. You are now the big boss. It doesn't matter whether you are a stranger. You know, Joseph was an alien in Egypt. It doesn't matter whether you are a, a prisoner, a convict. You are now the one in charge. 42. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on his Joseph. On Joseph. It's like being given a presidential, um, how do you call it, authorization. You know, a signet ring and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. The guy's financial level changed overnight. He's wearing gold rings. You know, gold for decoration. That's a lot. It means a lot. Poor people don't do that. Poor man see a little gold, you rush to the market and sell it. For you to have it to wear for just for decoration, it means a lot. You are getting there in Jesus' name. Yeah. Now, verse 43. 
And he had him ride in the second chariot, which he had, and they cried out before him, bowed the knee. He set him over all the land of Egypt. How did Joseph get there? One person who spoke about him. What if the guy hated him? What if the guy didn't like him? But the guy remembered him because there was a relationship years back, and it was a good relationship. And so when a need arose, when the need arose, Joseph had no idea what was going on in the palace, but this man that he was good to before is the one who spoke about him. So social capital means that you can fall down today, but depending on the kind of people who are related to you, you can get up from the ground. But you can also fall down. And depending on the kind of people you relate with, in fact, you will go down more. So relationship is wealth creation, if it is done right. Money hides in people. So when you want to treat people anyhow, you are living dangerously. If money becomes more important to you than people, you are in big trouble and you don't know it. Money hides in people. And I'm emphasizing the word hide. Because sometimes we only want to be close to people because they have money. Because they have money. And it's good that God will give you with time. People have money. But let me tell you, the people have money who, are in who will be indebted to you for life are the ones you related with before they had the money. You know, Jesus did a fantastic teaching on social capital. Let's go to Luke chapter 16. You know, I, I said some time ago that Jesus did a lot of parables on money. And this is one of it. Uh, I will not have time to teach you, talk to you about all, but as we study, I'll show you a few more before the end of the month. Luke chapter 16. He also said to disciples, there was a certain rich man. Jesus was teaching disciples parables. And this is how he started. There was a certain rich man who had a steward. The word steward there means a manager. A manager. Someone you entrust things into his hands to manage and keep well. So a day is coming, God will bless you and prosper you, but you have to know how to recruit the right people to manage your assets, to manage your wealth. Very important. And an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. Jesus said, the purpose of the steward, the manager, the reason why the rich man employed the steward, the manager, was to bring profit. So the reason why you employ people is to add value to your enterprise, to bring profit. That is why you employ people. So you have to always understand employment is not just picking people on the streets, but picking the right people who have the competency to add value. So when you are looking for a job, don't go there as somebody who wants to just be employed and be paid. Go there as somebody who is going to add to the company. Go there as somebody who has something to bring on the table. That a time is coming, that company must see you so valuable that they can't just say go home. Your place and your relevance to the progress of the organization should be so outstanding that they can't just get rid of you anyhow. But this steward, Jesus was teaching the disciples, said there were a lot of complaints about him that he was stealing, he was wasting goods. Instead of bringing profit, he was creating losses. And how does these accusations come? Probably there's auditing or there were consultancies 
the consultants were looking into the organization to see whether money is being managed well. How did Jesus know Judas was stealing? Because there was an accountant. His name was Matthew. Jesus had to go and poach him from the tax office. And I bet you, Jesus probably quoted to him a higher salary than what he was earning in the tax office. Matthew didn't leave the tax office to just come and follow Jesus because he was working miracles. Go study your Bible and study the background of tax collectors. An example is Zacchaeus. They were people that liked so much money that you cannot tell anybody to just leave his profession in the tax office and come and follow. Jesus had to deliberately go for him because his place in the financial management of his ministry was important. He did that deliberately. Are you here with me or are you? This man was wasting his goods, verse 2. So he called him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. Come and render accounts and... I want to get rid of you. It means when people become unproductive in your organization, fire them. It means don't hire, don't employ anybody you cannot sack. Employ people you can look in their face one morning and said, fired. And some of you, the reason why your business won't go far is because you are very merciful to people who are not merciful to you. You know, sometimes you feel for somebody, but the person is destroying you. He's destroying your organization. He's killing everything by saying, oh, you know, if I suck him, how will, what will he eat? But this guy doesn't wake up any day and say, oh, my boss, he doesn't think of you. He hates you, but you want him right there. And the, the interesting thing about bad employees is that even the good ones, they will soon influence them to also prevail against you. Verse 3. Then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I'm going to be fired. What can I do? I cannot dig. In other words, I can't be a laborer. I am ashamed to beg. He said, I can't be a laborer. I can't beg. I must do something very fast. And look at what he did. Verse 4. I have resolved what to do. That when I am put out of stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. What does he mean by they? Let's read it again. He said, I have resolved what to do. That when I am put out of stewardship, when I'm fired, they may receive me into their houses. What does he mean by they? You see, for the first time in the life of this manager, people have become important to him. People. It means that until that day when his sack letter came, he never cared about people. He thought he doesn't need anybody. And, and sometimes I see funny people like that. They just think, I don't need anybody. I can do it all by myself. I have this here. I have that. I have this. I have this. Oh, this one fail. I'll make, I have it all calculated. You are, you are deceiving yourself. You don't know. Life is full of surprises. Verse 5. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him. His master's customers. The people who were um, clients or customers to his master's business that he was managing. He began to call them one by one. And he said to the first one, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Now, he was asked to come and render accounts. In order to render proper accounts, he wanted to now begin to correct the books. It means that when the price is 50, he charges 100. When the price is 50, he charges 100. And he was exploiting these customers and making his master's company look bad. He was giving the master company a bad reputation before the customers. And he didn't care. But now that he knows he's about to be sad, he wants to now be in the good books of the people. Everybody say people. He now saw that, no, I don't have any friends. I don't have any, you know, I've met people who say, me, I don't have any friends. You are living dangerously. 
you are living dangerously. God never created any human being to be an island. Genesis 2.18, it is not good for the man to be alone. It is not good. It is not good. It is not good for the man to be alone. Please bring me back to my scripture. And then he said to another, how much do you owe? So he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. Verse 8. So the master commended the unjust steward. You see, when the accounts came, when the guy began to do the right things in terms of making the company have the right reputation before the customers, and also the, the way he rendered the accounts properly, the master looks at it and did what? Commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. The word shrewdly means prudent. It means he added a lot of sense to what he was now doing. It means initially, he was just behaving selfishly without thinking of tomorrow. Hallelujah. For dealing shrewdly. Then Jesus said, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. The sons of this world. The worldly people understand networks. Worldly people understand partnerships, relationships. Christians, we fight one another. Christians, hey, somebody has bought a car. Oh, we are the first to speak evil of it. Two Christians can't team up at a partnership and start a business and it will work. No, 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 no. They will use tongues as witchcraft to fight each other till everything collapses. You cannot employ a Christian in your church to come and work in your company and the person will work happily. And when others are rebelling, he will come and tell them, no, something bad is happening. You will not do, you will not see that. He's, he's the member rather that to call the meeting and say, how can we destroy our boss? That's why we are poor. That's why we are poor. Our courtists are making sacrifices, but church people want to destroy their own church. Yeah, church people want to destroy their own church. You have church members who are thinking about how to exploit the church. A church member will tell you this thing is 100 cities. When it's 10 cities, church members. Because the fear of God is not there. Now listen to me. You see, when you go into the world, you hear of secret societies. I was surprised when I was studying about the Freemasons to, to tell you that some of the most outstanding people in history were all in lodges. Benjamin Franklin, Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, um, Winston Churchill, all those guys. They were in serious lodges. Now, do you know, they want security. Today is, is the occult. Right from the university, they are recruiting people. You know why people join the occult? It's not that they love the devil. But you see, when you join the occult, they will tell you that, look, we are connected. We are powerful people with us. Judges, business people, head of states. Look, if you need job, we'll give you job. If you need money, we'll help you. Look, no occult person betray each other. By the time you finish school, they have jobs waiting for you. But I'm not saying you should go join them because that one will destroy your life. Never try it. The devil doesn't give anything free. If you are in one, get out. You can't get out by yourself. Come talk to me. I'll pray for you. Social capital means network of associations that make you secured and prosperous. Yeah. The Bible teaches you how you can build your own social capital. And that's what I'm teaching today. <laughs> Verse 9. And I say to you, make friends for yourself. Now, this is Jesus' commandment, teaching about money. You know why the steward was doing all that? He said, I don't want to beg. I don't want to dig. So, I want to now start creating relationship with all my boss's customers. I want to be in their good books. I want to establish good relationships. So, what Jesus was teaching is that if you are an employee and you treat 
your company's customers well. They see the good in you. They recommend you to your boss. Or one day, even if you are fired, some of those customers say, that guy is a good guy. Come work for me. I've seen it several times. I've seen people sacked, and a client of the company said, come and see me in the office. And either they employ the person or they recommend him to another place. But you see, when you are treacherous in an organization, very soon, the customers, they know you. And there are people like me. If I see that you're treacherous, I won't say anything. I'll just be looking at you. And that is it. But help, you never get it from me. There are people, you exploit them, you defraud them, they know you are stealing them, but they will keep quiet. But there are things they could have done for you, but just with a phone call. But they will never do it. Because you have bad character, bad attitude, money is everything to you, relationship is nothing to you. Make friends for yourselves. You see, so when you relate with people, well, it is for your own benefit. It is for your own benefit. Don't be hard when people say you don't socialize well. Second, we used to call them antisocial. It's not a plus. He said, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon. I, I told you mammon means what? Money. All right? Yeah. So he said, friendship is like creating money. That's why I took my friendship. Thank you, everybody, telling friendship, relationship, networks is creating money. He said, so that when you fail, he didn't say if you fail. Listen, this life, everything is good today. Be careful. There are storms in life. There are storms. There are challenges. You never know tomorrow. Don't behave as if you are God. He said, when you fail, that means crisis is part of life. But some people have survived crisis. Some people died in it. They got lost with it. And the secret is what I'm teaching today. Relationship. Relationship. When you fail, the day when business doesn't do well, like it happened here one night, I traveled out of Accra. I had a call from a member that the owner of this company here, they used to come do uh, Thanksgiving service in our church. Now the company has so grown big, the employee's strength is double, so they can't come. They do it there, but they invite me to go. They called me that the warehouse was bent. So in the afternoon when I called him, he said everything was bent, including even the forklifts. Everything. And you know there are people in Klagon here who were happy. They said, they said a lot of things. Oh yes. You never know that there are more people happier with your failure than the number of people happy for your success. And the only person happy for your success is your friend. My number one definition of a friend is who is happy about your progress. A person who can say congratulations for your new car, frowns because you bought a car, is an enemy. I don't care whether it's your husband, wife, brother, sister, uncle, or Christian brother, unfortunately. Yeah, everything got bent. Millions. But today the company has expanded to grow bigger. In fact, they built a bigger warehouse after the fire. And you know, he told me, we live in the same message, we are very close. He's like a friend to me now. He said, he told me, Pastor, you won't believe it. All the suppliers... He said, you'll be very faithful since you started working with us. So we're going to give you time and we'll keep supplying. That's all they did for him. They said, we'll give you time and we'll keep supplying you as you sell. You pay small, small, small. That's how he came back. Better than before. If he was behaving treacherously with all the suppliers, that's why what you do today is a seed. When you fail, what will happen? They may receive you. Who is the day? Friends. Relationships. They may receive you into an everlasting home. I want us to see verse 10. How do you make friends that one day when you fail, they will receive you? He said, 
He who is faithful in what is least, the little things you do today. Joseph was in a prisoner, but he lived well with other prisoners, related well with them. Saw two of them sad. He said, why are you sad? Somebody would have looked at them and said, who cares? I'm minding my own business. If you have a dream, that's your problem. I'm thinking I have to get out of here. But the person who must get you out is the one that is having the dream. <laughs> I'm thinking I have to become a millionaire. The one who will make you a millionaire is the one you are treating treacherously. But you don't know it. He who is faithful in what is least, the little things. Don't you remember telling him the little things? They make a big difference. No, no, no I can't hear. I said the little things in life, they make a big difference. The third time, tell him, my brother, the little things in life, they make a big difference. The things you say, oh, it doesn't matter. Oh, this one is, is nothing. In fact, they gather together and accumulate. Very soon, they become something. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, in other words, if, you're not, if you are not faithful in the way you handle money, who will commit to your trust the true riches? So, Riches, wealth is, is entrusted to people. God must trust you. People must trust you. When people trust you, they can give you a loan without a collateral. Do you know how they ask for collateral when you're taking a loan in the bank? Because they can't trust you. If any time you go to the bank, I want to loan, they say collateral. It means you, are not, you can't be trusted. Praise the Lord. You can't be trusted. Because if you can be trusted, that this guy, no matter what he's going to pay, they won't ask for your collateral. If you are not being faithful in the way you handle money. So, you know, Jesus... Finance is ministry by relationship. In Luke 8, we've seen before that there were women who gave to support his ministry. So money didn't fall from the skies for Jesus. There were people. Jesus did not run a business. He was just in ministry. And the Bible says some of these women, Jesus prayed for them and healed them. He solved problems for them. And they decided that they would use their money to support his ministry. And that day when I was teaching, I said, ah, but I didn't see any man. But later I found men also. I found men. If, if you read the book of Mark 14, verse 12, it said, Now on the first day of the unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go prepare for you that you may eat the Passover? And he sent out two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Pitcher means a jar. Follow him. Wherever he goes in, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, Where is the guest room? in which we may eat the Passover. So Jesus wanted to have the Passover meal, but he needed a big hall where he and his disciples can have the Last Supper. And the Passover is a feast that is celebrated in Israel every year, and all Jews celebrate it. But unknown to the disciples, Jesus was going to do it for the last time and die. But every year they have it in a place, a special place. The disciples came to Jesus and said, where are we going to have it? Jesus said, go to the town. You'll see somebody carrying a jar of water. That means this thing was arranged. Now, why was it done that way? Because that was the week before his death. And Jesus knew that they were looking for him to kill. His security was very serious. That is why they couldn't catch him until they had to pay an insider, Judas Iscariot. Because catching him was difficult. So he had to have something planned out with a wealthy man who had already volunteered his guest room for them. But instead of telling them, go to Mr. So-and-so house, he said, go to town. you see somebody... Follow that person is carrying a jar of water. When you get to the house, ask for the guest room. So they were wealthy people. If we read also Matthew chapter 27, verse 27. Matthew 27, verse 27. Now when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. There came a rich man from Arimathea. His name was Joseph. He was a disciple. What did he do? This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded 
the body to be given to him. Only rich people could do that. A poor man had gone to Pilate. He may not even rich. The guards wouldn't even let him enter. And so Jesus had rich people in his life. But Bible said they were his disciples. That means he didn't just make friends with them because of their money. They became close to him because he provided solutions, valuable solutions that made these people decide to become true followers of Christ. And you may Effective Living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. Lord.